Well, I've had a, a fun week away up north, which was much needed, although my determination to avoid any work failed miserably Boo. in that I only had one day where I didn't do any work and it was the day I was driving back to Glasgow. So the whole day was basically driving. Well, that that's basically work. Well, exactly. But the rest of the time was, was clients who I wasn't planning to work with who were just like, hey, I've got some surprise work for you and it's worth 300 quid and it will take you a couple of hours. And you're like, well, yeah. I said, great. And then, of course, a couple of hours became, oh, yeah, can you change this as well? Oh, can you also change... Uh, also, can you send this boat... Uh, uh, the endless feedback, oh, it's yeah. It's just never-ending. You need to start putting contracts in where it's like plus three changes. Yeah. Initial job plus three requests for updates and then further requests will be charged more. Well, I didn't I didn't think of that. I should have done. However, I got the I did the job. I got the money and uh, it's going to go to straight towards my solicitor who is robbing me of all the money I ever had in the world this coming Friday or maybe this following Monday. Ah, uh, it begins. <sighs> it, oh, it ends more like James. Well, it ends, I suppose, but uh, the new life begins. <laughs> the, the saga has come to an end. Because, uh, yeah, I closed my help to buy ISA after, I think, maybe four years of saving into that bad boy. Closed it. Nice. And then all the money goes into my current account. Nice. And then I I basically pull every bit of money I have in various, you know, Cayman Islands accounts and PayPals here or there. Of course, yeah, yeah. And put Uh it all in the one and then the solicitor will invoice me with how much I owe in terms of the deposit, in terms of yeah. uh, their fees, in terms of whatever things I need to send. And I'm pretty confident yeah. it will be around the 10 grand mark. Yeah. And that is disgusting. I mean, it's better than 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 having to do the whole lot at once, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it... I, it's the culmination of five months. It's a long, a long effort went into this, yeah. Of, of starting out this whole buying a flat process and we're finally there the light is at the end of the tunnel in fact in fact james oh the next time we do a podcast oh i will be in my new flat I, d- I don't really know when that's going to be but it will <laughs> if that's when the next episode is happening to figure out what the internet's like um and stuff, well exactly yeah. i i mean i have to get inter- internet for a start so yes yeah, the most important part of moving is getting your internet set but, but it's also about I don't actually know what's going to be in the flat. I'm pretty sure they're leaving a bed. So that's good. Right. But do I want another? Do I want a new one? Do I? You might. You might want a new one. I think I have to buy a fridge. Probably. Fridges are important. I was donated a TV. Oh, that's nice. By a great aunt. So I have a TV, which is... Which is good. But see, that sentence, being donated a TV by a great aunt, makes me think it's like a CRT (laughs) one ton per square foot TV. It was heavy. Right. But it it, it has an HDMI and right. that's all I need. That's all you really need, yeah. Exactly. Know, so that's like, uh, a new place, you can fill it up with all the things you need over time. There's there's no there's no rush. Yeah. As long as you're comfy, you're in control, you'll be happy. As long as I've got the keys and That's yeah, that's that matters. Have the keys. And some pillows. I'm sorry. Yeah. The rest can wait. They're, yeah, p- keys and pillows. That's all you need in life. I can. I've got enough clothes that I could fashion a blanket out of them if I if I tied them all I together. Fashion an, an entire house worth of furniture out of clothing. <laughs> 
You know, what? I probably could actually. Who needs uh, who needs a couch when you can like make a hammock out of clothes? And who who needs a bed when you can you know like make a hammock out of clothes? <laughs> exactly. Uh, just just hang it from one door to the other. Exactly. Have a hammock that's a whole way long. Yeah. Great. Perfect. But uh, the the other end of the stick is that I'm having to move out of my current flat on Friday. Right. And the place is a bomb site. Right. Because it's a mix of cleaning everything and also trying to pack everything. And so everything's just... All right, yeah, you've got out. your professional cleaner certificate. You've gone, got that course done. <laughs> yep. I've set up my false website with a fake phone number. Um, I haven't, but that has crossed my mind. Man, yeah. So, you know, maybe I can just create an invoice with the, you know, contact details at Seesaw Parade. And then... Yeah, no, the, it definitely sounds like a cleaning service. It does. It does sound like one. You know, it's out, it's out of the box. It's a little bit left field. You know, that's what 2020 is all about. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah, 2020 could be defined by the word weird. No other words are more accurate than weird. Not like, you know, terrifying, <laughs> horrible, painful. Just weird. Just weird. Plain old weird. Anyway, talking of that, it's Seesaw Parade, everybody. Hey. Episode... 215 i am colin and he is james yes and thank you very much for listening really do appreciate it whether you are exercising or you are driving i've was told on two different occasions in the past week that that's how people listen to the show all right all right or if you're doing anything else or doing anything else i mean those are not your only two options you can do other things yeah just let us know. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can get in touch with the show, seesawparade at gmail.com. We also are a cleaning company, as you may have just learned. Yes. Twitter, at seesawparade, and Facebook, seesawparade as well. The, the business model for the cleaning company side is that you do the cleaning and then you pay us exactly. that, to that make is, it look like it was professional. That is actually how it works. You do the cleaning, yeah. you invoice us, and yeah. uh, that's, oh, wait, no. that's it. No, we invoice you. Oh, no, in fact, <laughs> we yeah. We pay you to clean your place. <laughs> Just to make this clear, you don't clean your flat, then invoice me. Sorry, yeah, I got that wrong. So so we will invoice you yes. for the cleaning that you did yes. to make it look even more authentic. And like you've done an even better job. Super legitimate. It's an actual business. Let's okay. get going. Yes, indeed, James. Let's get going. Shall we uh, kick off with coronavirus? Ah, yes. The taste of the year. Well, James, the news that many sad people, or rather, news that is making people sad. Sorry, that was badly phrased. The news that many sad people are sad about. The news that people have, uh, who are planning to go to Spain on holiday, which has now made them sad, is that the quarantine rules for people who have been in Spain and are coming back have been reinstated. So, yeah, yeah. If you are taking a holiday to mainland Spain or the Canaries or the Balearics, then you will have to self-isolate for two weeks once you come back from holiday. And of course, if you have a job which requires you to be with people, i.e. being a doctor or uh, at a cafe or at a hospital, as I know some people are, then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. say goodbye to the holiday. James, Bye-bye. This uh, this news has... It's by the looks of things gone down pretty badly. The travel industry, certainly for one, is, is not very happy. Uh, the UK's <laughs> biggest tour operator, TUI, has cancelled all mainland Spanish holidays until 9th of August. 
And uh, the firm's not the only ones. The airline industry has reacted with dismay, calling this a big blow. It is a big blow. Somebody's got to tell Mr. Corona that the travel industry is I think it's Miss Rona, actually. Somebody's got to tell Miss Rona (laughs) that the travel industry is struggling. And then it's all going to be much better. It's just got to ease off. Keep keep like keep things set aside for next year. Give the travel industry a chance to, yeah, I don't know. Okay, make some money. Well, the Foreign and Commonwealth Office is advising against all but essential travel. BA will still be flying. Uh, EasyJet will also be maintaining a full schedule, as is Jet Two. But British Airways yeah, yeah. say this is throwing thousands of Britain's travel plans into chaos. Why did they make plans? Right. Okay. Well, let's start here then, James, because it was maybe a week ago, perhaps right. less, right. that the quarantine from Spain was lifted. Other countries right. uh, are still still on the you can go there for a holiday and come back and you're fine for the time being. Yeah, for now. But the Spanish one was only very recently lifted. And then yeah. as of yesterday, which was Saturday evening, yeah. that's when the quarantine came back in place because Spain is seeing an alarming rise of new infections across the country. Yeah, like- Having a bunch of travelers coming in and adding to the population and adding to the untested people within that population, it's somehow it's leading to a bit of a second wave. Very strange, isn't it? So, James, Mm. let me ask, first of all, why is anybody booking an impromptu holiday to Spain Right now. Yeah, right. I'm so I'm a bit of a biased person to ask this question to. Why? Because in general, I see holidays abroad as a complete waste of time and resources. Um, <laughs> okay. So I already don't understand why the UK population has such an addiction to doing it, especially to hot places that just make you feel lethargic and horrible all day, every day. But in this instance, where we know that travel is not a guarantee... I am I am just shocked that we've got apparently thousands of people making a plan as soon as the quarantine was lifted. And they're like, oh, let's put all of our eggs in the Spanish basket now. It's going to be fine. And I guess it's just like because the UK is addicted to traveling. We've all been told it's the dream. The summer dream is traveling. It's not a summer if you haven't traveled somewhere. And now that addiction is showing its face and it's kind of scary. I see our transport secretary, Grant Shapps, has also been caught up in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he, his addiction has is, is <laughs> led him to Spain. So he flew out, I believe, a, just a couple of days ago and will now have to quarantine for 14 days when he returns. Is the nature of his trip confirmed? Is it just a holiday? It's a holiday, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> like... You'd think that the people in the, the the upper levels of leadership would be keen to show some restraint at this time, encourages not to be traveling quite so eagerly, but he somehow managed to do it. We get one week a one week opportunity to travel a bit too early and he he grabbed it and he's gonna have <laughs> to quarantine. And I imagine he won't. I imagine he won't quarantine because it doesn't look like anybody within the current UK leadership is actually abiding by the rules um, regularly. So who knows? I don't think even if he doesn't quarantine, I don't think anything's going to happen to him at this point, giving up hope on, on, on punishment. 
Talking of government secretaries, Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab says he can't make apologies for the disruption to holidaymakers' plans. And Labour have also called the handling of the move shambolic. I mean... So I don't really know how the two of those work. I think the sham is the fact that they are easing the quarantine rules. Just it seems at random. It's like, oh, look, Spain's kind of looking like maybe okay soon. Well, we'll ease the quarantine now. Yeah. And it's the same way they've handled just all the rules in England, um, as far as I can tell, since with this divergence of thought between Scotland and England on coronavirus, their handling of when to ease things seems to be a coin flip every morning. Cummings just like picks up his like two pound coin. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, I think we should go to phase two today. Yes, no. Flip a coin. Ah, done it. We're in. And then uh, what? Maybe using a magic eight ball. Maybe he's using a magic eight ball. Should we lift the quarantine on Spain? And it's like... No answer. Come back later. Unlikely. And he goes, he goes, and that means yes. Uh, James, again, I just go back to the point you were making there where there is this idea that we have to have, perhaps just as Britons, but I'm sure it's true for other nations as well, that we have to have a foreign holiday every year yeah. to make it feel normal. Now, I appreciate that for a lot of people, this pandemic and lockdown has been far worse for them than it has for you or I. Mm-hmm. That being said, it just I cannot compute why anybody would want to go to somewhere like Spain in the current climate of quarantines and a virus which is still very much killing people Yeah, every single day. And as numbers continue to rise across the world, I, I believe it was something like 300,000 infections were recorded yesterday alone. Wow. I'm probably underestimating that. And you know, you're right. It just, it, it just hurts the brain. We've got this huge, big global struggle. And it seems like certain countries, the populations of them, tend towards wanting to believe that there isn't actually a problem and pretending that life is normal. Yeah. It's not normal. And I am sure that none of our listeners uh, are pretending life is normal because they're so well informed by this podcast that definitely only ever tells the truth and is always accurate. It's it's accurate as far as as we think it is. (laughs) Truth is subjective. Okay, well, and talking of the virus, Donald Trump this week for the first time ever oh, yeah. encouraged Americans to wear masks. And not only has he worn a mask, he is now telling people to wear masks. Absolutely. And he also warned that the pandemic was likely to get worse before it gets better. James, this is a remarkable uh, about face from the US president. It's only four months late, but he has now changed his rhetoric saying that the masks have an impact. Yeah. Uh, why? Why uh, Why this sudden volt fast? I don't know why he's changed his mind. It's pretty well established that people who want to prop up the current conservative leadership, well, like Republican, I guess, leadership in the US will point to that one study that was released um, by, the, by the WHO uh, three months ago that said, hey, we don't actually know if masks are effective. And they yep. used that as their anchor for all their decisions ever since. And they're still doing it. I saw somebody doing it in a news interview yesterday, pointing out to this one study with a highlighted sentence. Um, why has Trump changed? I think he's realizing that lying and saying every month that coronavirus is going to be gone by the next month is actually losing him some support, maybe because people are, are, are wisening up to it and being like, well, hold on. He said it would be gone by Easter. 
said it would be gone by summer. He did. Maybe he wasn't right. So saying it would be gone by November, you know, like some people are doing, isn't wise. And maybe somebody in his leadership has given him a bit of advice and they've said, hey, it's time to start embracing that this is a disaster. And by doing that, we can uh, take, uh, take us all to be on the same side of the fight rather than fighting amongst each other as to like what, how we should tackle it. So instead of being like, oh, we don't want to tackle it as hard as you, it's everybody's on the same side if we're all admitting it's, a, it's an actual disaster right now. He also, as part of that same announcement, said that he would revive the White House Coronavirus Task Force daily briefings. Ah. Which were basically the daily staple throughout yeah. most of March and April, and then they, they tapered off in, uh, in favour of events that focused on the economy. Uh, instead of the coronavirus numbers. Yes. To me, James, this is a, a clear indication that he has finally be con- been convinced that his approach to the coronavirus before and up to now is actually working against him. And he's now seen some sort of evidence that makes him think, well, yeah. maybe if I do wear a mask, and that's not going to annoy my supporters because they'll see me do it and think, oh, I need to wear a mask, I will convince some people who are on the fence... And say, oh, yeah, okay, maybe he is doing the right thing. That's that's the only thing because, right. as we talked about before, he could he could do anything, and his supporters would not turn on him. So, yeah, actually saying something which makes sense has the potential to sway people who are very much split over where they, yeah. whether they vote for Biden or Trump. And now, if they see that the president is finally doing something that seems to make sense yeah, they see now that's now. when it's that's when he's getting uh yeah. some more votes for his uh november re-election campaign for sure the only thing trump really cares about is staying in power for a lot of reasons one he just likes having power two he's terrified of what's going to happen to him after he is no longer able to pardon himself um or pardon his friends and stuff uh, we see this, the other evidence for this that recently is the fact that he's now calling protesters terrorists, um, kind of starting up his own soft war domestically because he can't start a war internationally. And by starting a domestic war, he can try and rally his supporters around him. So maybe he's been convinced that wearing a mask and telling people to wear masks and making an enemy out of the virus is actually going to give him that war vote as well. And it will help him. Whatever it is, it's definitely, he's been convinced it's going to help him to be good. Trump doesn't think of other people. I I believe Trump doesn't think of other people. Don't sue me. James, did you see that this week, the long-awaited Russia report was finally published? Wow, it's here. It is. (laughs) The world has changed. The main findings from this report, of which I will attempt to summarise now, include the fact that the UK government badly underestimated the Russian threat and the response it required. It said this report said the UK government was playing catch-up and needed to take immediate action. The report claimed that the government made no effort to investigate mm-hmm. Russian interference in the EU referendum or the 2014 independence referendum. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in response to that, the number t- uh, number 10 said that they were fully aware of the significant and enduring threat that Russia posed. Ah, really? Because I remember Boris saying there was absolutely no chance that the Russians interfered with the Brexit 
um, vote. Strange, isn't it? Pretty recently. Yeah, that's, that's weird for him to say the exact opposite thing and pretend he never said the first one. The committee's report also said that the Russian influence in the UK was now the new normal. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that the UK was a top Western intelligence target for Russia behind yeah. NATO and the US. Yeah. James, was this report what you expected? Um, the report contained about as many deadly blows for anybody as can be expected from a report of this nature because I expect anything that was direct enough to put a name uh, and say here's some of the blame would have been redacted because you don't want to give that information yeah. to foreign agents in the open in the open air, right? Or at all. So the report had a lot of interesting things not quite what we thought. We thought it was going to be a bit more of a, hey, look, definite this, definite that, where it was just more like, everybody's so bad at their jobs that we know nothing and knowing nothing is a problem. Willful ignorance is bad. Don't be willfully ignorant. And then it's like, okay, let's stop being willfully ignorant. And then the government goes, no, <laughs> because we've encouraged now the government to start investigating. And the government has said, no, um, I'm, I'm, I, I don't quite, having read some of the report and having seen summaries of the rest, understand why the government squished it so hard. Yeah. They were trying to keep this hidden for so long and it doesn't really make sense now that I've read it. I think it's because it was just a little embarrassing. It was hardly the the killer blow that sees off the government. However, yeah. it hardly... But, but a little embarrassing. It's the perfect time to be a little embarrassed when a bunch of really awful things is going on in the world it's the perfect time to be like hey guys we dropped the ball a wee bit let's move on though and and to an extent that is what's happened or that is what is about to happen yeah it immediately is what's happening my, yeah. my impression from the reports is that the uk government essentially did that sort of childish thing of putting their fingers in their ears and saying la 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 i can't hear you they did yeah anytime that there was even a suggestion of russian interference in the referendum for Brexit in 2016 and the Scottish independence referendum two years before. Yeah. Despite the fact that, as this report says, there was credible evidence that it was happening, the government didn't want to know about it. Yeah, they just didn't bother. And that's, that's for one, on the government, but for two, it's surely on our intelligence agencies. I'm pretty well, sure they can, they can investigate things without being like, hey, Boris. So this was the... Hey, Boris, can we check? This was one of the arguments or the questions that was being raised was do intelligence agencies get involved in democracy in democratic uh discussions or debates or issues for example the fact that russians were or the russian government were meddling in these elections that may not be a threat to the country's security but it's certainly a threat to democracy so yeah. do they have a role to get involved in that because i mean to me yeah. it would sound like they do but then other people would say yes but now you're politicizing intelligence which should be neutral or independent yeah but then don't make it political right if if the intelligence agencies are wanting to investigate the democratic process they do it and just don't report it publicly investigate tell the tell the tell parliament they're their findings, and then Parliament, being a, the political body, can deal with the political end of it. But it should be investigated. I'm not saying that our intelligence agencies need to investigate it and then, like, send it to the Times so the Times can tell us all what happened. No, that would be 
making it um, a bit of a mess, people would be dismissing it because of its political leaning on whatever side got found out to be weak. Tell it to Parliament. We need to know these things. Parliament needs to know these things. The right committees need to know these things. The Security Committee clearly doesn't know all the things it it should be knowing because there's not enough work going into finding it. I did find the media response, on the other hand, pretty bad um, with this report because as far as I can tell, the build-up to the report, the media was just all chatting about how the Russians were interested in helping Labour because... Labour used one of Russian's leaks yeah. to, to talk, chat about the NHS. And then as soon as the report came out, the only headlines I was really seeing was like, Russian interference was not a thing in Brexit. And I'm like, the report didn't say that. The report said there was no evidence um, of an investigation. Not that there was no evidence <laughs> of interference, but the media is just all, there was no interference. And then this follow-up, there was definitely interference in the Scottish one, though. Scotland is bad. And then they didn't even chat about the um, report. Some of them did. There wasn't enough chat about the report's indications that there's too much of a business um, influence via the lords and via ministers who have business ties with Russia and therefore yeah. might not be interested in, you know, investigating things. Okay, just on and that's that... that's like, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, well, just on that note then, you may recall several months ago I reviewed a book I read which is called From Russia With Blood. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Again, I would heartily recommend you read it. It's a fascinating and terrifying read about the... Russian influence in UK politics and in UK life for the last 20-odd years. Yeah. And a huge part of what I read into this Russian report was that so many of these government figures at the very highest levels will be connected in some way to Russian people, to Russian nationals. Yeah, they are. The fact that the biggest Tory party donor of last year was a Russian. The fact that... Yeah, we should probably just like ban that kind of a do- <laughs> donation. Well, it's the it's the UK government who'd be banning it, and they're currently Tories. So no, no, they're not going to do it. It's, yeah, not within their interest. It's the fact that oligarchs, exiled oligarchs, who are Putin's enemies, uh, have fled to London or fled to the UK and have been welcomed with open arms. Well, yeah, and not not just exiled ones. Having all these conflicts of interest from people who have fled the country and given money to the Tory party, only then for Putin to either order their assassination or meddle in UK politics, puts the UK government at a a, a challenging position of their own creation. Yeah, and then they don't do anything about it. They're just fingers in the ears, as you said. Um, and it's not just Russia. It's not just Russia that have this like influence via money. It's it's the it's the Chinese wealth as well as doing the same thing. But just just before we we move on, James, what's the next stage for this? Because this, as you say, <laughs> has been long awaited. I'm going to say maybe nine months, maybe up to a year uh, that we've been waiting for this report to be published. It now has. Now what? Yeah, I mean, Labour's got to do something with it. Backbenchers have to do something with it. Um, committees have to do something with it. We've got to be encouraging investigations into the right things. For example, the Brexit vote. <laughs> I'm not saying we cancel the... I, like, I'm not saying we call the vote illegitimate if it's just found out that there was interference. Because I expect Russian interference does not pick sides. 
Russian interference just tries to undermine a process to make us all not trust each other and not trust our government. They're not interested in picking a side, they're interested in just causing a bit of a mess. Um, so it's just good to know the detail and not to ignore the detail and try and learn. But I don't think there's going to be any. Um, the go- one of the government's responses is to make treason laws a bit more strict, but that's kind of a scary one because I, how do you define treason, right? Well, because like, treason's for nationals, right? <laughs> yeah. So it feels like it's it's quite, it's like slightly off topic. It's a kind of authoritarian thing to be chatting about bringing back treason laws and to be um, making them stronger. Um, and it's not surprising that the Tories are wanting to make it stronger because they are very authoritarian, even though they pretend to be small government. Um, but it just feels like surely espionage laws is the right alleyway, not treason. Um, but then again, maybe they're maybe they're going to use these new treason powers to, I don't know, banish some of the lords, <laughs> send send some of our lords to Russia where they have got business ties. It's really strange. <laughs> It's hard to predict the response that the, that the current government's going to have to anything, and it never quite seems to be what you expect. My res- my imagined response will be nothing. It will be silence. It will be business as usual, and things will continue yeah. the way they always have. Yeah. Same as same as what the silence around Brexit failing. Same as the silence around trade deals failing. They're just going to keep being silent on anything that's difficult. Okay, let's move on to the other big story of the last week, and this was Kanye West, who has uh, been a a more familiar fixture on Seesaw Parade recently, who officially launched his campaign. Really weird. Every time there's a presidential run, Kanye is on this podcast. Strange. (laughs) Incredible. And he drops an album, like, right afterwards. Really weird. So he officially launched his campaign for the 2020 US presidential election with a... An unorthodox rally, shall we say, in Charleston. Yeah. So Kanye is running as a candidate for the birthday party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, at at the event... It does tickle me. Kanye seemed to make policy decisions off the cuff. He uh, had several rants, one on uh, abolitionist Harriet Tubman, others on abortion. And uh, I mean, the rally to me, James, did, did very little to clarify if... Well, there's a couple of strands here. The first one is his mental health. Yeah. And the second one is, is he genuinely attempting to run for president? The former, he definitely is not well. The latter, he is not running for president. This is all getting his name into the headlines. Do you, do you, do you genuinely think that? Yeah. Because to me, I, I, it seems like he is. he has a belief that he is born to be president. I mean, but maybe this is just a fake run to make his next attempt actually legitimate and he'll actually plan ahead for the next one. I don't think, I don't think he's that smart. I don't think, I do not believe no, that. No, he's, as much as he's really mentally unwell and unstable right now, he's got a good business brain. He understands marketing. So if he, he understands that putting your name forward in a couple of presidential runs makes the f- follow-ups more believable. I'm sure he can um, plan that far ahead. Um, I can't guarantee it. Maybe he is taking this seriously. A lot of the things he's saying are semi-concrete. He is pulling out of pretty decent talking points an insane take because he's saying that, you know, Tubman and, and abolition didn't free the slaves. And it's like, yeah, it's technically kind of true because immediately after that, 
the, um, the government of the US put in place a bunch of laws that allowed debt to become a new form of slavery and allowed imprisonment to become a new form of slavery. And who was more most likely to be in debt and in prison is the f- newly freed and very, very yep. poor black communities. And poverty and crime and poverty and debt and poverty and all that hand in hand. So he's kind of correct, but he doesn't have the ability to string together enough sentences to make it make sense. So he just makes it sound like he's saying that Tubman was evil <laughs> or something. So, so that to me is someone who's, who's lacking the awareness of what they're saying. And is just doing it because he has the platform. Oh, yeah. In the moment, I don't think he knows exactly how to get his ideas out. And I'm not sure any of the ideas will actually be good or not. We're never going to know until he has the right treatment for all of what, the things he's clearly struggling with. Um, but the, like most of what he says, you can tell he's read a book or he's talked to someone smart and they've told him this thing that is actually real. And then he just can't convey it properly afterwards. Well, later in the week, Kim Kardashian, his wife, yes. put a post on her Instagram to detail Kanye struggle with bipolar disorder. Because in the wake of the rally, mm-hmm. many of the reports which were covering it were asking the same question about his mental stability. James, I am unsure if this has ever been... Yeah. If his bipolar disorder has ever been publicized before... But right, yeah. Does does that make sense to you? Does that marry up with with what we've seen over the last few months? Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not a pro in terms of understanding all the different um, diagnoses and things. I'm pretty sure it's been at least a worldwide hush hush. We all know this, but we don't publish it. Um, fact that he's got he is bipolar, right? It's been the chat for a long time, but maybe there has been an official. Hey, actually he is maybe there hasn't been um it, but it, it it makes sense he's he's he he's very visibly not doing things in this in a state of mental health so i think it's good to step forward and say hey i think she hopefully asked his permission before telling everybody his diagnosis um i think she is in a place where she should be doing a lot more to try and encourage him to be a healthier influence in the world and to be a better person. But it's Kim K, right? It's one of the Kardashians. We can't really have high hopes from the Kardashians either. (laughs) All the elites and all the elites' significant others, they all support each other in their toxicity. So hopefully this is a step towards uh, improving and communicating and being empathetic and, you know, generally trying to be better people. But it might just be her trying to cover up and say like hey none of the stuff he said was real it was all just because of brain badness please forgive him and buy his album james the news that surprised let me try again Surprise! Supplies. Supplies. james in news that surprised absolutely nobody tenet has been indefinitely postponed. Oh, no. It is the uh, the hammer blow that after two release date changes, Warner Brothers have decided to pull Christopher Nolan's brand new movie off the schedule entirely yeah, for the time being. Figure out a release plan. Yeah, so this, this was the plan, at least in the US, for Tenet to be 
the big return to business, the big boom that was going to get the the crowds and the audiences back in. Yeah, let's get the let's get the film industry going again. Tenet. Instead, it's been trained to Busan. <laughs> yes, indeed. Two. What is it called? Per, per, is it the Peninsula? Something like that. A sequel. It's kicks kicked off with like a twenty million box office. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Well, in a statement, Warner Brothers chairman Toby uh, Toby Emmerich said that they will share a new twenty twenty release date imminently. Yeah. For this wholly original and mind-blowing feature. Hmm. We are not treating Tenet like a traditional global day-and-date release, and our upcoming okay. marketing and, distrib- and distribution plans will reflect that. And what that means, so, I don't really know, but it perhaps could be that it gets released in certain markets before others. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a, a sweep uh, across places that have dealt with coronavirus better and then later in the year, later in the year, as it becomes appropriate, places that have dealt with coronavirus worse. Um, it could also be a release on demand and also in cinemas kind of a deal, as we're seeing some things go to. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Also indefinitely postponed is Avatar 2. Mm-hmm, yeah, this one, because they can't get the VFX and the motion capture done in the US. Yes, so it was due to be released in 2021. It will now be released a year later in 2022. The three <laughs> following sequels will also be bumped by a year, meaning yeah. the five film franchise will finally be completed by 2028. Sure, sure, definitely. <laughs> so there you go. That's maybe, yeah. I want to say, 17 years between the first one and uh, the fifth one. Yeah. And we still even had the second one yet. Yeah. I, I like I feel like the more I think about Avatar, the first one, while it was a completely meh film, it, it was technologically amazing. Yeah, I I still stand by it. I think it's solid. Yeah. Solid movie. So I don't know what they're gonna do to the second one to to push technology forwards. And if they do, I might enjoy it. If they actually try them try out some new things, do things in a super convincing way, I might enjoy it. Well, James, you mentioned the different ways that movies could be released in this current climate yeah. we live in. Yeah. And Bill and Ted's Face the Music yes. seems to be one of these very films. However, they do have a trailer out, first of all. So, James, let's have a listen to this and then we'll talk about their plans for releasing the movie. Right. Greetings, my excellent friend. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan, performed tonight, will save reality as we know it. Oh, dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it and take it from ourselves? Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! (laughs) How is that stealing? We're stealing it from ourselves, dude. Okay, James, trailer first. What did you think? Trailer 2 is an improvement on Trailer 1. This film looked actually better. (sighs) Trailer 1 didn't. Trailer 2 looks like they've got some of the right elements in the right places. Well, Trailer 1 for me, and again, I've never actually seen Bill and Ted, so I'm without any sort of the lore that's going on here. I know some of the phrases and some of the memes, but that's about it. Right. In, In terms of a trailer, it kind of broke all the rules in that I know what the plot is. And uh, I could predict how it's going to pan out. Oh, no, yeah. They've spoiled the entire thing, but I don't think you can really not spoil a Bill and Ted film at this point. And I also 
failed to laugh at probably the majority of the trailer. Some of the jokes are just bad. Mm-hmm. This is true. But I I appreciate perhaps that's maybe the thing. That's maybe their thing. It's maybe their shtick that they make these kind of unfunny bad dad jokes. Corny bad jokes. Yeah, that's that is their thing. Okay, so the the film release is going to be via video on demand, so streaming services. Yes. And also to any cinemas who want it. Yes, theatres who are keen. That's cool. What do you think of this this model? I mean, that's the only way to do it right now. This way makes sense. It might make less money, but you can also generate a lot more of an audience by doing that than you would have otherwise. So we think back to that time that there was a random Cloverfield labelled film oh, yeah. that, just, that just came out of nowhere. Far more people watched that because it was just dropped upon our laps all of a sudden than would have watched it if it was actually in cinema. So uh, Bill and Ted having the the cult audience it does already guaranteed to get a bunch of people watching this uh, this is a way to get more than that dedicated bunch to watch this just put it out to whoever wants it theaters if you want to take it people if you want to watch it at home take it this isn't a cinematic masterpiece this is just a film to enjoy it you don't need to have a cinema experience to enjoy it so i reckon this is a really cool model i really hope that in the year that Tenet was planned to be the big return to cinema for everybody that Bill and Ted manages to be. I kind of hope that all the rest of the films for the year get cancelled so the Oscars are just Bill and Ted and bad boys for life. (laughs) Man, film was awful. Don't watch it. (laughs) Just those two getting all the Oscars. It would be great. I mean, Keanu Reeves might get a Best Actor nod at last. Uh, I mean, that would be... That would be a big, a big <laughs> surprise. I'll you were real. not as enthusiastic as I thought you would be for that. No, like Keanu, Keanu, I, I love him. He, great, a great, a great guy. But, but not the best actor. Not the best actor. He's really good in some things. He's got some surprising levels of depth to his acting. Okay. And, and I like him in some things. I'd be surprised if it was Bill and Ted that got him the nod is all. It's a particular character. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, we've got two more clips before we wrap up. The first one I'm going to go for is Waiting for the Barbarians. Ah, yes. This movie is, in terms of a cast, seems pretty stacked. It's Mark Rylance, Oscar winner, uh-huh. Johnny Depp, and Robert Pattinson. Yeah, so heavy actor and then two people have a big fan base. Okay, and uh, here's a clip. Are you familiar with these parts of the frontier? Not with this part. Not yet. There is an episode of Hysteria about the barbarians. I have orders to obey. I am speaking of particular situations. Situations where I am probing for the truth. Since all is not well here, I expect further measures will be taken. James, this is uh, this came out at the Venice Film Festival last year. Yeah, and if you remember the name, that's why. <laughs> yeah, the actual gap between it being shown to an audience and then being released to the hoi polloi of the world is about a year. Yeah. Now I don't know what that says about the film, but I mean the trailer looked okay. It's all right. Depp's got some weird glasses. I don't know why, but it's all right. It's it's almost like a Willy Wonka look he's going for here. Yeah. It's strange because it's not actually a funny film, but they've still m- tried to make Depp have a Depp-esque character. <laughs> um, and granted, that's the point, is that 
this film is all about like spoilers, but it's you know it's a book. This film's all about somebody discovering the atrocities of colonialism yep. via experience. And Depp uh, is going to be a representative of those evils. So it is good to make his character a bit unreal and a bit monstrous in some ways. And maybe giving him glasses helps him look like that. You know, maybe he looks a bit more like an insect or something. I, I know we've, we've... Sorry. I know we've talked in the, this show before about the actors who every time I watch them I'm, I'm unable to separate the actor from the character they're playing mm-hmm. Johnny Depp is almost in that category because yeah there's a few films where he's not that there's there's just a lot of films where he's just playing himself he he's just, just him the Depp-esque character the one that got made by Scissorhands and, and those films there's, there's a couple of films that stand out in recent years Black Mass in which he played that, the gangster one. Yes, yeah. he was brilliant in that, and not Depp esque. And exactly, he was he was someone completely different. I think he was was he Whitey Bulger. I think he was playing. Yeah, and that was phenomenal. But this, to me, as much as yeah, I thought the trailer looked okay. It's very much just oh, there's Johnny Depp being Johnny Depp. Yeah, but but then again, the film, the trailer is is making it look like Depp and Pattinson are really significant characters. But if you know the story, they're, they're not really. The main character is Rylance. He's going to yeah. be doing the heavy lifting. It is his story. Yep. Um, so having a cartoonish Depp might might make it better. It might make it worse. I expect this is an entirely average film because it's taken so long to get released Yes. Um, from the date it was um, acquired. Um, so I expect it's just a bit grandiose and a bit average. Um but it, like it's a film trailer, so we got to talk about it. <laughs> okay, James, uh, yeah. one last one last uh, movie drop before we wrap up, and this is the New Mutants. Which, ah. if you're a long time <laughs> listener of the show, we have genuinely been talking about for the last four years. Man, it's been so long. <laughs> so, the current news from the New Mutants is that the opening scene as part of the virtual Comic-Con this yeah. year, has been posted online. Mm-hmm. James, uh, to avoid any spoilers, I'm just not going to play it, but what did you think? Wow. I would have preferred if they didn't pick the opening scene. <laughs> Why? Wow. They got um, Slipknot in to play dad character, and Slipknot is as flat as always. Cardboard <laughs> Man returns to, to deliver some lines of zero emotion and then have to re-deliver them in a studio yep. really poorly, so the <laughs> voice sounds completely disembodied. Um, opening scene is trash. However, <laughs> the film's looking better than it used to. Aside from the opening scene, the visuals are getting cleaned up each year this, this film gets postponed. <laughs> This is going to be the best film ever because they've literally had years yeah. to reshoot it and re-edit it and redefine it, recolor it and all these things. Oddly, oddly enough, it looks like they've gone back to the first edit based off the, <laughs> what this trailer is showing. It looks like they've gone back to House of Horrors, but there's mutants in it and PG-13 and comic book influence. Rather than trying to make it a superhero film, it once again looks like what it was originally pitched to be. So that part of the film might be good. The runtime's okay. not even 100 minutes. I like that. Keep films short if you're not sure about them. But they've really cleaned up the VFX. They've cleaned up the character designs. They've cleaned up the fight scenes. It could be fun. The opening scene makes me question all of that, though. <laughs> okay. James, let's uh, wrap up. Have you seen or watched or finished anything this week? I have nothing 
complete to report upon. <laughs> well, I because I was on holiday, skipped my Marvel watch along. However, I did yeah, rewatch yeah, take a break from the bad stuff. The action comedy movie Spy. Ah. Which was, if you recall, Melissa McCarthy, Jason Statham, Jude Law, yeah. uh, Rose Byrne, and a film directed by Paul Feig, who did Bridesmaids. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's 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 fun. It is a fun movie. It is not as funny as I remembered. <laughs> However, the, several years have passed. And uh, yeah, like, it's, it's a good time. Is it the best Paul Feig movie ever? Absolutely not. Is it one of the best? action comedies ever no no is it an easy way to pass a hundred minutes absolutely jason statham's good fun melissa mccarthy has some good lines and it gets funnier towards the end as well right uh, so yeah you know it's it's basically your average hollywood comedy right with with more more hits than misses is the best way i would describe it all right so yeah it's not so insultingly not funny that you just leave <laughs> exactly it keeps it keeps it going <laughs> It gives you an, it gives you enough of your of your IV to keep you alive. Exactly, and enough enough laughs to make it worth your while. Yeah. Okay. Well, James, on that uninspiring note, it is time to end the show. Yeah. Uh, dear listener, if you would like to get in touch with anything you've watched, please do send us a review. We would uh, love to hear it. We've had many in the past. Um, uh, let's add to that. If you want to give us a review of what you were doing while you listened to the podcast. Um, and then review the combo out of 10. That would be great. So like Seesaw Parade with walking, 10 out of 10. Seesaw Parade with sitting in the sun, 10 out of 10. Seesaw Parade with exercising, 10 out of 10. I'll be honest, I'm a bit biased with my reviews there. Um, Maybe it won't be 10s across the board. I'm open to that. I'm open to the idea. We'll see. Okay, well, James, thank you very much. Next time I see you will be at some point... In this new flat, what a, what a mo- what a moment for Seesaw Parade! And a- another move. I'm still in the same place I've always been. You're moving again, but one of us is going to be a homeowner. I know. How exciting! Okay, well, James, thank you. <laughs> ah, I'll see absolutely. you at this, this fresh start. Yeah. Next, next next week at some point. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope this podcast hasn't changed too much, and you still enjoy it next time. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.